Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Broken Wing. That makes you sound like a broken record. Well, they're not going to hear the first one because it came out of my mouth a little weird. Little post-production magic. Mm -hmm. Well, for those who, uh, no one heard it except for me, Tim just said the name of the song twice, and I thought that was a funny joke. (laughs) As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week, it's an Alkaline Trio song that was chosen by our Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. That's right. We give our patrons the chance to vote on the songs that we talk about, and we send them out a poll. Oh, baby. It was titled Dan versus Dan versus Dan versus Dan versus Dan. It was all Dan songs. It was a real That's Dan we... death match we had going. <laughs> and, uh, you know, part of that is because we're, you know, uh, not to spoil the magic here but you know we're nearing on the end and then so, there is some more dan songs that there are matt songs we gotta we gotta pit our boys against themselves a little bit now um and you know it's very funny because uh we still have two songs left from god damn it one of which mm-hmm. is a dan song and that one never gets picked i always think it's gonna happen and it never happens so i'm just gonna accept the fact that people don't want to hear that one um <laughs> But pleasantly surprised at what our our uh, homies picked for us, because I don't know how this song is held in the esteem of others, only really how it relates to me. So I'm glad we got this one. Totally, and not to not to suggest to anyone out there that their vote wouldn't make a difference if they signed up on our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash As You Were. But this one took the house. Like it wasn't even really close and considering the fact that the song that you're referring to on god damn it i mean just the fact that it's a song on god damn it you'd think that it wouldn't be smoked in the way that it and the others were by a song that's on wait this isn't on my shame is true well and let me go on a spotify rant technically it's on the my shame is true deluxe edition which I guess is the thing, but in the physical realm, it is a standalone EP called Broken Wing, which is one. I mean, fairly. It feels fairly obscure at this point. Like I think mm. it's easy to not know what this is. I mean, but if you're listening on Spotify, which I'm sure many people do, it just kind of rolls into it. You don't really know where the record ends and this begins. Um, which has always been a big issue of mine with Spotify. Drives me nuts. Um, but yeah, I mean. It's interesting because I always think Enjoy Your Day is going to win because that song is so divisive. Uh, but it just makes me think that the people who are voting are on the side that don't like it. But we'll, we'll you know, cross those bridges when we approach those bridges. Multiple bridges for Enjoy Your Day. Well, because we're in Madison County. Ah, yes. exactly. Um, <laughs> so, Broken Wing... Um, this is a, a simultaneous release with the album My Shame is True as a four-song, 12-inch EP. Um, you know, we, we've talked about my compulsion to 
buy multiple copies of every record as they came out. And, you know, I, I'm going to, uh, I'll say it that when My Shame is True was coming out, I, I liked the first single enough, uh, which was Wanna Be a Warhol, where I was like, you know, maybe this record will be good. This feels like a step up from where we were on this addiction. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I, I feel that way to a degree, um, not fully, but the Broken Wing EP, um, I've always really stumped for. I've always really thought, um, you know, Matt's song on it is okay. Um, a little more interesting than some of the more boilerplate material on My Shame is True. But I think the three dance songs are all really strong. And this song in particular uh, makes sense why it's the title track of this thing. Because to me, it's it's the standout. And I would go so far to say that if this was on My Shame is True it would probably be my favorite song on My Shame is True. So, uh, yeah, showing my hand kind of up top, but to say that, Tim, what what was your experience like? Because I know you didn't hear much of that shit until we started doing this thing here. Well, when we started doing this thing, um, I think kind of early on in our conversations about the Alkaline Trio that went a little further beneath the surface you really stumped for the broken wing ep as sort of (laughs) such a great representation of all of your feelings towards the alkaline trio in the post crimson era Mm -hmm. and your utter confusion as to why these songs on the Broken Wing EP were just songs on an EP that is just kind of a complimentary uh, release to a full length. You're like, I, I, I don't get it. They're some of the best things. So that was what this was one that I went ahead. This is one that I went ahead and just listened to. Mm-hmm. And that EP is so good. And this song is so good. And I've really liked it since I first heard it, which was at this point a couple of years ago. Yeah. So I'm with you on the fact that this is the best material to come out of the My Shame is True sessions. And this song, I think, really does represent a lot of what you and I kind of both look at as being, if there was more of this we'd all be really, really happy. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about it so much, but I think it's just like, I still think they're capable of writing really good songs. I mean, I think the most recent EP, uh, you know, has some good material. I think Is This Thing Curse was more solid than it wasn't. Like, you know, had a mm-hmm. lot more bright spots than weak ones. And I think, again, my issue with My Shame is True is just the fact that essentially we're getting 16 songs between two releases and eight to 10 of them are good. Mm -hmm. And we just, you know, they're, they get flabby on their records a little bit. And that's a bummer to me because I think there's always the two schools of thought where it's like, I want to hear everything. I want to hear every last drop of material this artist has made. And I get that because I am that way with people, but I also want the most coherent statement, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, 
it's why like i don't know i don't think a director's cut of a movie is always the best version because sometimes those extra 20 minutes really you feel those extra 20 minutes or whatever you know like yo quick sidebar i just found out that there is a extended version of robin hood prince of thieves and it's an extra 12 minutes which Mm. is insane to think about because that movie is nearly two and a half hours long yeah as is but it is essentially 12 extra minutes of alan rickman that were taken out because the producers were like he is out acting kevin costner to an absurd extent sure can't have that so if anybody out there is a big uh robin hood prince of thieves fan which i kind of am Mm. uh Get on that extended version because it's just 12 more minutes of Alan Rickman just eating it up. To be fair, I would love another 12 minutes of Robin Hood Men in Tights. That would be more where, you know, give me more of that world. Um, Keep me in the Robin Hood cinematic universe as long as you can. (laughs) Carrie Ells or whatever. Give me that. Um, (laughs) But no, I mean, there are obviously examples where those things work better. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes it really does tie things together and maybe things were cut down for some sort of commercial reason uh, i'm just think, on a costner kick so i just needed to share that yeah i mean you know the, the postman room. Waterworld, all the hits i watched the postman this week i've never seen it it's uh, bad i that's what bad. i've heard that is what i have heard dude uh, he was developing air force one and he was gonna star in it and then he said actually i think i'm gonna do the postman but Harrison Ford, actually, you really should do this. So get off my plane. Kind of the worst move, but yep. also kind of the best move. Kevin Costner, real odd man. Very um, odd man on like multiple levels. Um, you, you know, I have an Air Force One tattoo, right? No, I'll show it to you after. What is it? Let's says get off my plane. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Fantastic. Um, anyway, now, uh, back to the matter at hand. Um, we did not need the extra 12 minutes of My Shame is True. That could have been cut and we'd be better off. That's true. We could have just cut out 12 minutes of My Shame is True and inserted 12 minutes of Broken Wing. Yeah. And, you know, it's just so funny because we talked about it recently with this addiction B-Sides where I think there's like two, there's like one solid and one good Dan song cut from the record that I think would have made the record play better. Mm-hmm. We could have cut two Matt songs that are really sagging at the end, and it's not going to make it a even an eight out of ten or seven out of ten listing experience, but it's going to make it higher than a three. Um, and I think this is a similar <laughs> thing where I think there's a world in which like my shame is true is like a seven or eight kind of mm-hmm. somewhere in there, just like a much more fun thing. And as it stands, I it's kind of a five for me where there's a song I like, a song I dislike. Two songs yeah. I dislike when I like, you know, whatever. And, you know, I've been thinking about this just in terms of, I'm, I guess I'm going to just keep talking about it in the scope of movies, right? Where it's like... I love film. Well, so. You know, cinema, canines on celluloid. It's really like the top tier <laughs> thing for me. Um, I have two lists on Letterboxd going. One is canines on celluloid. The other time is any time someone in a movie eats pretzels. Uh, that is much rarer. Can you carve out a, a separate list or just text me as it as it goes with uh, canines on celluloid where the dog 
covers its eyes with its paws because that's my absolute favorite bit i will say the best version of that is uh airbud's seventh inning fetch um watched this a few years ago um great film i live tweeted it the night i watched it uh a lot of great stuff there's a scene where a bunch of kids run up the stairs while the extra just falls down and they leave it in but also a lot of really good baseball play with a dog holding a bat in its mouth and all this shit. There's definitely the like they do the uh, cover the eyes, but it's like from the side. It's a oh, very odd yeah. perspective. Um, but uh, to extend my actual metaphor is I was like, you know, there's a difference between like um, good movies and movies that are like good, like a good time to watch. You know, mm-hmm. like I just have a good time watching it, even if I can recognize it's not good. And I think My Shame is True could have been that type of record where I'd be like, this isn't good, but I have a good time. Yeah. And instead, it's like half that, half just like, oh, this is a bad record and a bad time. Um, and I think I think that's kind of what they fixed on Is This Thing Cursed is where it's like, let's just make a record that's kind of fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. And even when it kind of verges over the line, it's never like, oh, this fucking sucks. Um, and, you know, looking at this, it's just insane to me that I think basically my favorite songs are like maybe the first two Matt ones on my shame is true. And then like the broken wing EP, like that's kind of it. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. and to dig into this song in particular, like, you know, I will say that like, this speaks to what I really like about what I think they do in the modern era when it works is that like. The songs are a little glossier, they're a little bigger, a little cleaner, mm-hmm. but this has enough of the moving parts, the different kind of elements where it actually feels like they're all writing. They're all yeah. like, there's the Alkaline Trio hallmarks in the song, but they're just a hair different. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, you get this kind of track where I'm like, yeah, this doesn't feel like it would fit on another album. This feels like them doing what they've done before, but modernizing it, trying a little bit of different things, but not losing sight of what they are. And that's really, you know, commendable to me. And it's also unfortunately pretty rare. And yeah. I think it's a hard thing to do as bands age. And I think this is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. And especially punk bands too. You know, it's not like we're we're not talking about a band like Radiohead, where it's like, okay, we're putting guitars down for this entire record, and it's all synths mm-hmm. or whatever. It's all computer shit. So we're we're talking about a band who knows how to write the songs that they write. They know how to play to their capabilities. And, you know, to expect them to progress to a point where it's hardly recognizable, that is also going to differ from just the original um, sort of conceit to all of it, which is we come to this for a sense of, like, familiarity there's like an expectation that this is going to stay within the original sauce but we want to see it like get interesting so this is an example where i think they add a lot to it and they don't rely on all of the stuff that like really pushed shit in the beginning but Mm -hmm. they still put that stuff in there but in like the pockets of it yep. yeah i mean i think that's very true and i think it's like you know 
I like, you know, I think one of the complaints I've had is that some of the modern Dan material, you can hear how it's just kind of written on an acoustic guitar and then made into an alkaline trio song. Whereas this one, it has that acoustic guitar kind of layered up front, mm-hmm. but it makes a lot of sense. It actually adds a nice little like jangle and depth to yep. this, which I think is really nice, mm-hmm. but they don't do that every time through. Yeah, Totally. Um, and that's a really wise decision. It doesn't feel like they're on autopilot. It's like actually like putting stuff where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you were saying is like, I think, you know, even, you know, the vocal melody feels very like vintage Dan. It's right within his wheelhouse. But he's packing in a lot of words. I mean, there's a lot of fucking lyrics in this song. Yeah. Um And, you know, there's none. I, I would say the second verse has some stuff I really like. The whole part of, like, um, where is it? The, like, understand the things that keep you up and, like, uh, like looking at stuff in the wrong light. There's the part about, like, um, you know, sunshine's going to kill us all. Why is every day so cold? Why is everything so fucking cold? Like, yeah. there's a lot of cool little, like, lyric moments that do kind of jump out because he's kind of selling them a little more when he comes to them. Um, and I think that there's a lot of great... Just in that verse in particular, there's a lot of subtle dynamic shifts that happen where, you know, the end of the first line, you know, it gets worse, you know, and he holds that a little bit and things ring a little bit. And then he comes back in on the next line with just a very like punctuated, like how many more days am I going to wake up and stuff like that can really, really create so much just in the listening experience to where you can put a lot of words in there but you've done so much just in those two lines to give a little bit of like sort of a flighty melodic uh signature to it yeah that is i don't know that's something that i latched onto very quick and it's like the more you hear it it's like you kind of, I always like kind of take a breath in with that, um, that note that gets held out and then just like jump onto that, um, that second line. And this is a song where there are so many dynamic shifts mm-hmm. in here. And I think that's probably, this is probably the best production that Bill Stevenson does. And we rag on him a lot, but I think that this is an excellent example of Bill working with some material that he puts a little bit of punch to it, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't turn it into just like, you know, cruise control. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we have ragged on Bill a lot, I think specifically for this record, and I think some of the records he made in this time, and... You know, I do want to say, like, I respect the dude immensely. He mm-hmm. made some records I fucking love. Um, but, you know, kind of in advance of this, I I know that on YouTube there's, like, you know, some bands put up, like, uh, you know, kind of, like, in-studio short five-minute docs across a few parts. And, and uh, I was like, you know what? Like, I remember there was a Hot Water Music one when they did Exister, their first reunion record with Bill. So I watched that, and then it recommended me, like, a Rise Against one. I watched some of those, and... I think the thing that really came across to Bill or came across of Bill for me here was that like 
he really does care. And I think, you know, there were a lot of moments in both of those where I saw it, like they showed him talking to the bands about like, yeah, we should change this part. Yeah, we should like, you know, we're kind of resting on something too long. We need to like shift it a little bit because the the thing he kind of said in, in both of those that I saw was like, the lyrics really sell this, but the music doesn't and we need to push it. And mm. I think he's definitely someone who cares a lot, but he's also really excitable. So yeah. I think like he's, you know, I think he's just really happy to see those good performances and gets, you know, maybe excited about material that is maybe not the best. And mm-hmm. when you actually have what I think is really exceptionally good material out of a band, let's say this or like, you know, I mean, there's a reason I think that one massive Rise Against record, Suffer and The Witness is so big is because you really see that example in him of like, I'm working with a huge band who's really in their pocket and writing these big anthemic songs and he knows how to play into that and mm-hmm. probably make good suggestions. Um, but when a band, let's say like Hot Water Music comes in and is just writing pretty straight ahead, whatever material, he's he's able to tweak it a little bit, but he's not reinventing the wheel. Um, and, yeah. you know, I just think a lot of the stuff he does here from the way it sounds to the way stuff's layered to... You know, he's got a real ear for melody and like harmony and the way that works here is just like top tier production work out of him. Like, I think it's a shining example of why someone would want to go work with him. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, that intro riff, I think is a great example of that's a that's a Matt riff. Yep. One hundred percent. It's the the tone on it is very different from you know the from here to infirmary tone but you know it's very active up top and the second half of it is just chords and it really just has a nice um presentation of hearing that activity in the first half of the riff and then as it goes into the chords like that's when the organ and the acoustic guitar layers really just add mm-hmm. a great depth to what can kind of be like the less exciting part of an opening riff it's like yep. those chords are kind of just like a way to get back to the top but you got some nice organ you got some nice acoustic guitar that works for this band always yep and i mean i think it really shows that to me i think what stands out about this band in the modern era to me and what I think makes them so effective is when they're able to be like, we're writing an Alkaline Trio song, kind of classically an Alkaline Trio song, but the production and the stuff around it is kind of like vintage power pop stuff in terms mm-hmm. of what we're laying, the organs, the acoustic guitars. I think it actually fit what they do super well. That stuff has never jumped out to me as being like weird for this band. It's always kind of made it's logical weird. sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when they get away from it is when they try to be darker now and gothier now and and have ominous synths mm-hmm. and like you know weird drum production stuff that comes in and sounds like a gong or whatever the fuck that's where they lose it and this one i think just naturally plays to all their strengths and what you're saying about like a vintage matt riff it's the one i love is the kind of top of the bridge where everything drops out mm-hmm. and it's almost like the matt octave chord thing but it's broken up in this really staccato pattern where everything's really articulated and there's little gaps between them. And it's like, oh, this feels like something you've never done with that type of idea. 
Right. And that really, like, really jumps off the page to me. Mm-hmm. And especially for what is such a long part. I mean, if we're mm-hmm. to treat that whole bridge just as like one section, there are so many dynamic shifts that are in there. And I think that it gets it gets a little bit long in the tooth towards the end. Mm-hmm. It makes me kind of want to because I I think that those open chords that sort of start to round things out are cool, but there's maybe too many. But mm-hmm. there's also part of me that thinks like, you know, maybe going back to from that palm muted part when he comes in with I understand the things that keep you up mm-hmm. and I know that you still feel like maybe condensing that might help to keep the open chords from feeling like they're getting a little long. It's just like that's that bridge is just it's a lot. And I it's think a long it's, bridge. I think it, it could just use like two lines cut somewhere and i'm not sure i agree where. completely i mean that was the big thing is i really like the feel of the bridge i really think it's super effective and i really mm-hmm. like the part you just called out where dan comes back in with those lyrics it feels really cumulative it really feels like it's it's kind of making a point and i think the music's kind of escalating but i do think you could cut a couple measures preceding that and get the mm-hmm. same effect totally or like cut one there and like one in that and i think that is the only knock I can really give this song is that's where it starts to feel a little long. They do some interesting things in and out of the bridge, which I like. Mm-hmm. And then we can get to the end in a minute. But it is just one of those where I'm like, all right, like this, this feels like it's only long because Dan's like, all of these things are important to me and all these lyrics need to be here. Yeah. And I think that's where that comes in is because whether or not, I know what this song is about and I don't. Mm-hmm. I feel like Dan is really fully invested in whatever the story he's telling is. Yeah, I mean it does have like a narrative component to it. I mean it feels it feels very in that like tradition of like Dan writing a song to somebody in need, you know, it's mm-hmm. sort of like a you got this like it'll be cool. Um what's the one on uh on the if you had a bad time. Yeah, yeah. Where it's just like, yeah, all right. I think that this is a much better if you had a bad time. And I think that in the that bridge, what he's doing is really hitting on all of the things that he's talked about throughout the song, you know, with the traffic light and your heart and, you know, the things that keep you up. Those are all like, you know, it's it's sort of he's really bringing everything back in to get to that conclusion but doesn't all need to be there. No, I, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. It feels a little bit like the bridge at times feels like a montage of what we've previously seen in the song. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. And I don't hate it. There are great parts of it, but it, it, it is the only thing where I'm like, I like that. It's, I think it's a bold choice and I do enjoy it. I, yeah, I just wish, I mean, cause it, it takes up a big chunk of the back end mm-hmm. and that's really where a lot of the more wild moves are happening because after that they go into the last course where everything kind of drops out 
and stand in the acoustic guitar, which feels like a nice callback to the start, kind of brings it back down. Mm-hmm. And then on the last line, the band kind of comes in with the big hits and closes it off, which I think is really cool. That's not a thing they've ever really done. Um, and it actually suits them very well, in my opinion. Like, I think it works. It could be super cheesy, but like what they're going for, it's actually like, I don't know. I find it fairly tasteful when it, I think it could be because it doesn't feel overdone. If they would have done those more than like four hits, that would feel really milk in it. And it just feels like, oh, they're just trying to give you a little surprise. And like, it feels like a lot of this song is just trying to grab your attention Mm -hmm. at different moments with these dynamic shifts. And like more than any other song, it just feels like there was a lot of time spent on this, but it wasn't overworked. It just feels like they understood that there was something good here but what if we switch this the second, you know, the on the third measure for the next times through? What if we did this? And it just feels like a lot of like collaborative work from the people making this record, mm-hmm. um, you know. And I think the I think that's the thing is like my shame is true, and and, and the Bill Stevenson releases from this band are interesting because there's real moments of that, and then there's real moments of like they had material that was so straight ahead. Any shifts in it would probably make it even worse because it's just not serving anything. And when that's the case, you know, I can't really fault, you know, Bill for treating it a little more straight ahead. Mm-hmm. But when they really had something to work with, they they made really cool shit. And it just makes me wonder, like, I would have almost liked to have, hear, have heard Bill do Is This Thing Cursed? Because there's great stuff yeah. on it. But I think he could have served some of the lesser songs on that really well. I think he could have made them a little more dynamic. Like even mm-hmm. a song we talked about that I really like, like Heart Attacks. I wonder what he could have done with Matt's vocal melody in that, you know? Yeah. Um, and this is just one where it's like, yeah, like I, I think it's easy to clown on, especially punk bands as they get older for doing more of the same or taking big swings and just whiffing constantly. Mm-hmm. Um but I think it's just you got to know when to, you know, got to know when to put them up to the plate. They're not an everyday player, um, but they're a solid pinch hit situational guy. And I think that's that's what this song has always kind of represented is like, I still think they're capable of doing shit I really like and resonates with me. It's just they need to know they need to be better at identifying what's what that is and not just like trying to give me as many alkaline trio songs every three years as possible what do you rate this one this one gets a solid four out of me i think it's really good i'm gonna go four and a half Ooh, i think baby. that it is um it's definitely graded on a curve um yeah you know i think i think that it's missing it's missing that one kind of unidentifiable it factor that brings it you know up to that absolute top tier yeah um but it's just it's a good song and it's it's got a lot of depth to it and it's got a lot of it's got legs to it too having like spent time with it for the past like couple of years i still don't feel like worn out in it at all no and i i think what you said too is like about like it missing that x factor i definitely agree with that and the thing i think about a lot is just like you know the perception of stuff like this where if this was surrounded by three or four other good songs 
you know, rising tide lift all ships on a record. It can make mm-hmm. a lesser song feel way better. And, you know, it's the standout on the EP, but I, I don't think it has enough time to really build that. And I, it, that's why I always like kind of think about it in these terms of like, I would love to see this kind of put together on a release that is a little more consistent, a little higher quality, because I wonder how it would just frame all of that stuff a little better. Cause you know, like even if you're only, if your lowest mark is a three out of five each song, that the fours really shine more, and even the threes uh-huh. get bumped a little. Totally. But when you've got twos and one and a halfs next to it, it makes even the best shit really kind of peter down. Um, because boy, it's it's that's not a fun way to listen to anything, in my opinion. But you know, I I think this is one that just like if you've never heard it for some reason, you should check out that EP because I think there's a there's good stuff there, and I think. Even when this band is struggling, I still think they're capable of writing really, really good songs. And this is a great example of it. Yeah, and especially if you're listening to uh, My Jam is True on Spotify and you've been doing that for a while, would definitely recommend just going to that 13th track mm-hmm. on My Jam is True. Start there. Spotify. Start there and listen to it and listen to those songs in that context. If you haven't before, if you haven't in a while, I think it's a it's a really nice bright spot that kind of gets lost at the end of a 12-song record, as it would. And, it, you know, I would even go so far as to say listen to that, start at track 13, let it play through track two and hear a pretty good six song EP that could have existed in my opinion. Uh, and then maybe leave it there. You know, uh, um, I think maybe that would have been a better route, but Hey, I'm not in the alkaline trio and you never will be. Nope. Thank As God. You were a podcast about alkaline trio. Every week we talk about one alkaline trio song this week. It was broken wing. Had a great time doing it. That's why we're going to do it again next week but we're not going to talk about broken wing we're going to talk about a different alkaline trio song that's how it goes on as you were a podcast about alkaline trio uh rate subscribe on your podcast player of choice hey tell a friend you got you got an old homie that you you got some glory days with the alkaline trio hit them up and just be like, hey, you should check out this podcast. It's called As You Were a Podcast About Alkaline Trio. Every week, they talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And if they like it enough, maybe say, well, they also have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash As You Were, where they let people vote on the songs that they talk about. They also do some long form. We talked recently about B-side collections that are good enough to be considered a band's best release and i've also got an idea that's come up during this podcast even for something else we could do for that patreon patreon.com slash as you were either way we'll be back next week we look forward to it and we will see you then thank you friends i understand the things that keep you up and i know that you still feel and i know your heart is the thing
fly away and escape everything. But little bird looks like you've got a broken wing. Now when it thinks so easy, it might not make you weak. But it shows. 